We'd started with, with a look once more, just to remind ourselves of what the Scripture says regarding our, our course and our, our race in Acts twenty twenty four, Paul writes, But I do not count my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Um, briefly on that, I you know this it's a, been a verse that for many years has meant a lot to me. Um, when I was ordained here as an elder in 2018, Acts 20 was the passage that uh, was was preached. Um, many of you know or remember Nick Alford. He preached. Uh, that passage here when I was ordained, and so for for many years now, I've uh, before that, but certainly since then, uh, I have thought thought often about that passage, that verse about finishing my course, and what does that what does that mean for for me personally, right as a as a Christian, as a as a, a husband, a father, as a pastor, and for for all of us, what does that mean? What does it mean for us to finish our our course? Um, to run all the way to the end. Um, now, we all have uh, the course of life. We're all going to, to die, as we mentioned last week. Um, but there are... Merely staying alive is not the, the content of, of the course. There's more involved in it. And then, um, not just did I technically finish, but did I, did I finish well? Um, and then, uh, you know, another, another passage that I, or, that I hope will orient us as we, as we go, Hebrews 12, right? Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so too, right, you know, you have this balance in, in this running, in this course, in this race, where we, on the one hand, we need to run, we need to finish, we need to run with endurance. But what? Here in this passage is clear, right? Looking to Jesus. So how do we, how do we run? What's the, the means by which we run? How do we run well? We look to Jesus, or even in the Acts 20 passage, understanding that the course is for Paul there was to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And so one of the things that we're going to talk about this morning is the significance and importance of grace in, in this task of beating burnout. Um, and so uh, last week we set out to offer a definition of sorts. Um, when we say we're trying to, to beat burnout, it's important that we know what does that mean. What does it mean to, to beat burnout? What does it to mean to beat it, and what is the thing that we're, we're beating? And so, um, there we go. Um, and this is how we defined it, or how I defined it. And um, the, the slide I threw up last week said that the burnout was the failure to fulfill 
the various obligations we've been given by God in this life and is attended by a variety of negative emotions and consequences in multiple areas of our life. And then we spent several minutes trying to work out... Um, yeah, so this is, this is, this is the new one that I, I reframed this week from our conversation. So we spent several minutes talking about that definition. Do we like it? Is it helpful? Is it, is it useful for us? Are there things we're going to push back on? And so as I've sat with it some this week, this is the, the, the sort of the new and improved definition that I want to offer to you. Uh, and prob- I imagine that a theme... Um, that will develop as the, as the class goes on, is that hopefully by the end, by December, we can have settled and agreed on, on a definition. So I don't, I don't offer this as, okay, I've heard your feedback, and now this is the final and ultimate answer, but this is me trying to bring some of your thoughts together and offer um, an updated, more coherent definition, a more succinct version, and... Um, and really, in the end, this entire class serves as the, uh, a, an important step in the process of beating burnout. It isn't something that is done, you know, it's not once we get through this class, we get to December and we say, oh, good, I've, I've beat it, right? But I hopefully am equipped more so than I was when I started to, to beat it. And so this definition here, the way I've changed it, which says, Burnout is the failure to fulfill God-given obligations resulting, the, the obligation, you know, the failure resulting from an overcrowded or poorly managed schedule and is attended by increasingly negative emotions and consequences in our relationships with God, others, and ourselves. So we don't, we can spend a little or a lot of time on it, but any, any thoughts on this, this definition? Does it feel like it has moved in the right direction? Any Anything you'd like to push back on? Um, any thoughts? Yeah, Carl. Is it possible to fulfill obligations and still uh, experience burnout? Is that, that was what you asked? So, um, I, so I, I think that the way that I am understanding, right, that Burnout, like you can be burning out and still be fulfilling obligations. In my mind, the idea is that when you've gotten to a point where if we're no longer able to do that in a meaningful way, and it may not be all of our obligations, it might be one particular obligation, right? Um, that if I am meaningfully failing, or I'm failing to fulfill meaningfully, right? Not perfectly, that's one thing we said last week, right? We're not talking about perfect fulfillment of our obligations, but... Um, but real fulfillment of the things that God has called us to do. If I'm doing fulfill, if I'm doing those things in such a way that I can't sustain it, then um, to me that there's a there's something wrong there in that being unable to sustain it to the point where I I crash physically, spiritually, morally, emotionally, or whatever is sort of the that's to me, the burnout that I'm talking about. Does that help a little bit? Any other thoughts? Yeah, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I think that's, that's, a great, that's a great question. So with this phrase, God-given obligations, is there sort of a sliding scale of, of importance for those things? And I think, I think yes, my, 
my my biggest my, my the the most kind of crucial idea or the what's the phrase I'm looking for when I think about what God given obligations here I think I primarily am thinking of like when I think of obligations like these are the most important things in my life right so you could all maybe it's obligations with a capital O sort of thing. I think we have various, we have lots of obligations in our lives, even ones that are given by God, but among those there are things like being a, like following Jesus, right? Like being a Christian, that is the, the fundamental obligation of my life. Um, now that works itself out in, you know, two extremely primary ways for me as a husband and a father. Beyond that, I am a pastor Beyond that, I'm, I am a brother, I'm a son, I'm a, a neighbor, right? I'm a person who's, you know, is at the, sitting at a coffee shop, um, whatever, right? We have these, we have obligations within these various spheres. So maybe it looks like, you know, understanding the, the, the spheres of, of, of my life. So, yeah, I'll, we'll, I'll, uh, I'm still, we'll, we'll work it out, but I think that's a, that's a good area to consider. What about the idea of having the phrase like resulting from a busy schedule, overcrowded schedule? Is that, is that germane to the definition of burnout? I, mean, I think in a sense it's, you can't get away from it in this particular conversation. But should that be in the definition? Because I almost didn't have it in there, but we did talk about it some last week, and so I did add it. But is the schedule part crucial to the definition? Even if you would reword it, but should something about a busy schedule be in there? Mm-hmm. Well, we'll, we'll go. I want to. I want to. Was there? No. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, and that that's kind of why I, why I asked the question. That I I think that there are other are there other things other components to what might equal burn. I think often. And I am thinking of a specific kind of burnout, right? Like you could, right? Like so, for instance, if you know, do you are you burning out if through no gen, you know, you no fault of your own, you you develop some terminal illness and wither away, right? Like you could kind of call that burning out, I guess, but that's not what I have in mind here, right? What I have in mind is specifically is how do we avoid bringing, how do we avoid bringing things on ourselves such that, um, that, you know, that we're unable to, to continue to, to live faithfully before God, right? So like in Second Corinthians 1 where Paul says, right, we had the sentence of death, you know, but that was so that we relied on God, not on ourselves. How do we keep doing that? That even if I feel like I've got the sentence of death on me, that I'm still pressing on and not something I've brought on myself. Yeah, Casey. Yeah. Kelly, was that? And then Rob? Language of expectation rather than language of schedule, perhaps? I I can get that. Rob? (laughs) Amen. Well, uh... We'll, we'll, we'll keep that up there, and you can sort of keep looking as we go. But I want to I want to dig into the idea of this this the schedule piece for a minute, and or or the expectation piece. I do I do like that that language a lot. So, what lies behind an overcrowded set of expectations for yourself? What 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 lies behind a, a poorly managed schedule? 
probably a lot of things. But I think there is something that in a lot of cases, and again, I'm not thinking of any one of you in particular. I'm just thinking of stories I hear generally, our cultural, you know, sort of atmosphere. Um, But I'll I'll name what the thing is in a minute. But first, because when we talk about expectations, that's a little different. Because with the schedule, it sounds almost amoral, right? Like a, a schedule, like a busy schedule is that's real like is that what that's what you're saying my problem is right pastor that that if if a busy schedule is my biggest problem then I'm doing all right um is a busy schedule really keeping me from fulfilling the most important obligations and responsibilities that God has given me well i think so, because busy and overcrowded schedule or unrealistic, overcrowded expectations for ourselves can wreak havoc on someone's life. So before we name what the underlying issue is, I want to kind of address two questions that we'll seek to answer. We'll answer, I think, one of them today. Maybe maybe we'll, we'll get to, to both of them. We'll see. Uh... And, and I'm trying to conclude the first part of this class today or the first part of next week where we're, answer, where we're establishing the severity of, of, of the issue. Um, and we'll, in just a second, we'll talk about that, the homework, but um, just see what you thought. But um, the first, right, so how bad is the affliction? That's the, the question. But the second one that I want to get to also is, is there something to be gained from affliction? There's something to be gained from our present state of affliction. And so we'll, we'll try, we're going to try to do those in the little bit of time we have left this morning. And then next week we will uh, we'll ask uh, for a few weeks how, how we got here. And then from there we'll chart a course to help us find change. So the, the, the homework. And we don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but just... Uh, any sort of general thoughts on, on that assignment? So the homework for last week, you know, uh, uh, some of you got the, the sheet of paper. Uh, hopefully you were able to, I, I heard maybe there was some trouble looking online at, at the, uh, the sheet that Christina sent out. Um, but uh, if, if you looked at it, any, any general thoughts on that? What was, it, what was it like doing the assignment, right? You don't have to you know, tell us, you know, how you answered the questions, but uh, what was it like doing it? Any categories or questions or thoughts that you thought, this seems weird, why are you asking about this? Or, or was, there, was there a question that you assumed would be on there or a category that you thought would be on there that wasn't, that you think should be? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think that, um, right, and, and again, that's one of the difficulties about trying to teach and do a class like this is, is that each, each and every one of you are going to have a very different experience with just the concept of, of burn it all, right? Some of you might say, hey, I, I, you know, the minute I saw the title of the class, I thought that might apply to me. And then, you know, maybe you say, well, I, I got through the questions and I was, maybe, I, maybe you get through the questions and you just you felt deflated. You're like, yeah, every single one of these just about, or, you know, 90% of them apply to me. Or maybe you got through the questions and you're thinking, hey, I'm, no, like none of these really. Like maybe there's one here or one there, but no, like these questions I, I'm not answering. Like if that's you, great. That's, that's wonderful. But I think that there is, uh, you know, 
a lot of different reasons, and so that's the hard part about trying to do this in, in a way that's going to be helpful to everybody is because we're going to have different experiences. But sort of like Rob said, right, is that we can, we can answer these questions differently at different periods of our life. And so even if right now in this moment or generally you've not felt these things to be the case or true or exactly how they would apply, that doesn't mean that in five years this, these concepts won't, won't, be, won't be helpful. And so whether, whether you, it was dead on or you felt like it was off the mark, I, I hope that as we think about those things that they can serve, that if you have an accumulating number, if, if you have a, a growing number of things like the questions that made it on the list being present in your life, something is amiss, Right? It may be something as simple as, right, is it a, you know, do I need to go get a, not simple, but you know, maybe something like, do I need to go to the doctor and get a physical? Is there something wrong there? Is there some sin in my life? Is there some unrealistic expectation, overcredited schedule? Is it kind of as we'll, as we'll see how much of this is particularly related to the digital world in which we live? And, and I hope to make the case that that actually, I think, has a much bigger impact on us than we realize in the, in the weeks to come. But um, for now, let's ask this question. How, how bad is, is the affliction, right? We need to acknowledge one commonality among those who do burn out, right? Who, who fail to, 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 to reach the finish line, as it were, in, uh, in a way. Um, what is it that I believe lies behind or underneath our overcrowded schedules, our unrealistic, unrealistic expectations? No two burnouts are the same, but I do think that they have this in common, a deficit of grace. Now, I don't mean that only non-Christians burn out, but I do mean that, there is a, that a deficit of grace is sure to lead to burnout. And if you burn out, it's almost certainly because of a deficit of grace. And it's important to say this up front because this class, I intend, is going to emphasize what we do a lot. Right? This, in this class, in the coming weeks and months, we're going to talk a lot about what we do. And so from the outset, the problem, though, isn't ultimately that we're not doing enough. Right? I, don't, it's not, I don't just need to add some, some thing to my life, some schedule to my schedule, to my thinking that's just going to radically make everything better, right? The, the opposite is true, that if we're burning out, if we're experiencing the, the things on that list to large degrees, the problem is probably that we're doing too much. We're not trusting enough. Last week I, I mentioned David Murray's book, Reset, and then the book he and his wife, um, um, Shauna, wrote together, um, Refresh. So Reset and Refresh, uh, and in both books, and slightly different ways, they, they cover five deficits of grace that attend burnouts in some way or another. And, um, and so uh, I want to kind of run through those sort of quickly, and then um, we'll get on to, to our next question. So here is, again, we're sort of assessing how bad is it. Well, it's pretty bad if, if we're experiencing a deficit of grace. And so the first question, or the first deficit that we experience is, we fail to see the motivational power of grace. So how does, how does grace motivate? Grace energizes a person by prompting gratitude and directing his focus toward other people rather than himself. It leads him not to stress 
anxiety, fear, and exhaustion, but to joyful service for the good of others. So grace motivates. But grace also moderates. Grace moderates, and this uh, gets back to what the point Kelly made, right? Grace moderates our expectations of ourselves and our work, right? Like, what do you do when you see flaws and shortcomings in your work? Do you despair? Now, we're, we, we always want to be eager to make improvements, but since our identity and our self-worth isn't riding on our own perfections or our own supposed perfections, we can accept our flaws and cast ourselves wholly upon the perfections of Christ. So grace not only motivates me to work for others and for God, but it moderates the expectations that I have for myself. Murray writes this, he says, Instead of tormenting himself with these imperfections, the grace-filled man calmly takes them to the perfect God knowing that in His grace, this God forgives every shortcoming and lovingly accepts Him as perfect in Christ. Right? The grace-filled man is not trying to earn God's approval because he knows he already has it. And so grace moderates his expectations. Without motivating grace, we are lazy. Without moderating grace, we just run and run and run and run until we run out. Murray writes, the first grace gets us up out of bed. The second gets us to bed on time. A third deficit, multiplying grace. The burnout thinks the good results are a productive... Um, that's not right. A product... Good results are a product exclusively resting on his hard work. Right? Good results only come from me working hard. The grace-filled man knows that though he, he plants, another waters, and God ultimately gives the increase. Right? The grace-filled man works hard and trusts God with the results, knowing that the results to be multiplied to whatever extent they can be, must come from God. So there's multiplying grace in addition addition to motivating and uh, moderating grace. A fourth is, here they break the the alliteration, the releasing power of grace. The grace-filled man knows that not everything depends on him. He can't possibly know everything or control everything needed to bring about perfection, and so he rests in God. Setbacks and challenges, while difficult, don't crush him since he knows God is in control. And fifthly, there, there's a deficit regarding the receiving power of grace. The busy man won't, re, won't receive God's best gifts. He doesn't receive the grace of a weekly Sabbath, the grace of sufficient sleep, the grace of physical exercise, the grace of family and friends, or the grace of Christian fellowship, to name a few. Indeed, it is more blessed to give than to receive, but if we don't receive anything, we dry up and we have nothing to give. So if that's the case, when we're running on a deficit of grace where we, where we are failing to see all or some mixture of, of these, uh, these, this power of grace in our lives, and if there's a deficit of grace, that means there's what? A surplus of what? Self, Right? 
if this deficit, these deficits, this surplus leads to unrealistic expectations, an overly busy or an overcrowded schedule, which in turn brings about a crushing sense of despair and exhaustion, where's the hope? Right? Before we talk about what we do, what we need to do, we need to ask the question, where is the hope? What, what is God doing? Right? Is there, it, it, or another way to put it would be, is there something to be gained from our present state of affliction, even if it's an affliction that I brought upon myself? Uh, would somebody read Psalm 118, verse 5? And Psalm 119, 71. Psalm 118. Who wants that? Casey. Uh, Psalm 118, verse 5. Yep. And then 119, 71. It is good to be afflicted, according to God, if we approach our suffering with two commitments. Thankfulness for deliverance. Right? In my distress, I called upon the Lord. He set me free. And then, right, it was good that I was afflicted that I might, what, learn your statutes. So am I thankful for deliverance when it comes? And in my affliction, do I have a desire to learn from my suffering? Right? So how, how, how do we climb out of, of, of the pit? Well, we have to ask, what is it that God wants from me, as I think about my hope and what I should learn, what is it that God wants from me? Does He want, does he want children who are star athletes and or A-plus students? What does He want from me? Does He want a, a lucrative career that takes me all over the world or all over the country? Does He want the cleanest, neatest, tidiest house on the block? the most pristine and trimmed backyard? Does he want me to set the record for church events attended? No, what he, what he, what he wants is me. Proverbs 23, 26. My son, give me your heart. And let your eyes observe my ways, right? The father wants the heart of the child, not just the, the stuff the child can give him. Right? When, when we fail to live the way that God intends, we set our, our course for burnout and breakdown. Maybe it's physical, right? Maybe it's relational or moral or emotional. Um, in in uh, Murray, he quotes one pastor who, who spoke of burning out in this way. He said, my ministry had become a shell without the heart, a matter of endless duties without joy. Does that describe your life in, in, in some, some way or some significant part of your life? Is there, is there some obligation that you have, some God-given responsibility that you might describe a shell without a heart? I hope not, but if so, this class is for you, or if 
you feel like you might be in danger of that in one or multiple areas of your life. Or maybe you know someone who is, right? Perhaps these things will be helpful, not just for you, but for someone that you know. I want to I wrap up thinking about hope and, and, uh, and all of this in, in Luke chapter 10. So turn to Luke 10 with me. Luke 10, 38, through the end of the chapter, says, Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. What conclusions are we tempted to draw about our misery? From our, from our misery, what conclusions do we draw about a relationship with the Lord? Do you or have you felt ever or recently that God has left you to serve all alone? Do you find yourself bombarded by delusional, delus, delusional thoughts Subjective feelings and deceitful unreality. Do you find life to be restless? A busy blur of obligations and opportunities? How many of us really do find the graces of sleep, exercise, peace, relaxation, a good diet, friendships, reflections, and fellowship with God and His people to regularly elude us? How many of us sacrifice these things on the altar of productivity or reputation? What would it mean for us to choose the good portion that won't be taken away from us? Well, theologically, we could come up with that answer. And, but I don't think that's where we struggle. Not As a church, our theological answer is, is not going to to be the problem for us. What's our functional answer? Right? Functionally, for you, how do you answer that question? What is, what is the good portion? How do, you, how do you receive the good portion from God? What, what will it mean for you, Illumide? Ben? Emily? What, what would it mean for you to set aside good things like much serving to choose the good portion this week. What would it mean for you, Debbie, Sheila, Becky, to choose the good portion tomorrow? The rest of this day, even. Rob, what about the rest of this year? What is... What does it mean? What decisions do we need to make that will help us choose the good portion? 
Well, I think if we acknowledge to whatever degree we find ourselves incapable of consistently making those decisions, if we can acknowledge that and we ask ourselves the question, why? Why is it so difficult for us to regularly, consistently choose the good portion? And that's, that's what I want to talk about next week and for the next few weeks is, is why. How, how, did, how did we get here? And, I, and again, right? I know we, we're all at different places. We're all going to have different, a different sense of whether or not we've done this well or not. But certainly we've all done it imperfectly. And there's always ways to improve. And so hopefully this is helpful. Um, any, any thoughts on that? As, as we wrap up here, any, any questions or comments before I pray? Um, and, we, and we start with the, the why next week. Yeah, Ronnie. Yeah, well, so, and that's, so that, would be, that would be maybe a different way. Because so, what I'm saying is that if I am not fulfilling my actual God-given obligations because I am fixated on perceived obligations... Right, then I'm burning out, and you and you see that as my my life is increasingly attended by negative emotions and negative consequences. Perhaps as my yeah, right. I mean, I think that you know uh, the things that God calls us to. What you know, if he you know if he calls you to do something, he will give you the grace to to do it. Right. Um, and so if I find myself regularly failing, now, and two, like the way we think about it, right, like burnout, I, I'm defined as, as the actual failure that I've gotten to a point where I am not fulfilling my obligations. The process of burning out is where many of my obligations are strained, right, that they begin to have that hue of the shell without the heart to them. That even if I may be fulfilling them, Right, like, what do we tell our kids? Right, we like, what is obedience? Right, it's we obey right away, all the way, in a cheerful way. Right, if if there's some version of that in us, as we think about what God has actually called us to, begins to fade, then I may be burning out. I may be wandering from the things that God has actually left to me to do, to live. This is what He's called me to do in my life, and perhaps I'm filling it with other things. And then, two, uh, for us in the present day, I think there is a reality of the world that we live in um, is uh, the, the constantly being on, I think, is part of it, right? Because it isn't just that I have too many individual things in a schedule. The problem is that even when I don't have those things going on, I am always, always on. I don't know where I... Th- okay, so I didn't make the... The illustration's not great because I don't have where my phone is, but wherever my phone went, they're always with us, <laughs> right? Um, trying to practice what I preach, I guess. Um, no? Oh, yeah, it's right. Okay, yeah, trying to beat burnout, right? Like, 
how often do you not know where your phone is? Like, that's literally almost never happened to me, right? <laughs> I don't know where it is, right? It's always on. It's always plugged in. It's, all, it's by our bedside. It's our, it wakes us up in the morning. It says goodnight to us when we go to sleep. It's always on. And so, to me, right, and, and I'm not trying to move the discussion away from our hearts to blame something else, but I do think that we need to set the reality or understand the reality of what this exposes about what's in here. 